Bump it. <laughs> Pull it. <laughs> Twist it. Bump it. Yeah, we Rub it. Haven't seen it in a sexy voice. Bump me. Reminds me of a robot chicken sketch. Bump me harder. <laughs> we were actually when we went to see Rob, we Cock actually it. watched all of the robot chicken uh, sketches. Out of nowhere, we put it on. I love this robot chicken. Wank it. <laughs> Drive it. Cock it. Ball is in parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot it. Oh, gold. Oh, All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number 19 of the Board Game Gateway podcast, where we are your entryway into the world of board gaming, tabletop gaming, and good times. Tonight, my name... My name? I don't know where I'm... <laughs> Go on. I, I don't going? know. Wait, coffee. I'm coffee. <laughs> like, tonight, on tonight's episode, I, your host, Diva, am... I'm surrounded by these two lovely gentlemen. On my left, we have Matt. That's not my name. We all have different names tonight. You agreed to this literally 10 minutes ago, didn't Sorry. you? Is this a yes and a bit? Because, <laughs> because if well, so, you started, I don't know why you didn't carry it on. Uh, and directly across from me, we have Mr. Blake. Howdy doody. Ooh, howdy doody. Wow, he's changing things up. All right. Jeez, howdy doody. <laughs> We've been playing games for the 1930s, <laughs> children. This is a game called Scruples. <laughs> That's a callback <laughs> if you're new to this. Oh, anyway. We still got to play that. Yeah, we will. Don't worry. Uh, this is the first time joining us. This podcast is uh, our attempt at making a fun and light entryway for you into the world of board gaming. We are trying something a little bit different tonight. We are one man short. Mr. Ralph cannot be here because he's at some sort of wedding rehearsal yeah. <laughs> I have to rehearse being wed these days yeah. <laughs> back in my day we just had a shotgun pointed at us <laughs> and we rocked up you know <laughs> oh god um and so he can't be here so tonight we're going to try um something a little bit different we're going to continue with our usual start starting point which is we're going to talk about the games that we've played in the last week and we're going to take you through our uh board game uh, gateway game of the week which this week is baron park um, so we'll do that, but then after that, we don't really have a discussion topic for you tonight. What we're actually going to do is we're just going to have a bit of a chat, we're going to have a bit of a reminisce, we've got some story time, which we've done before, but we don't really know where it's going to take us at the moment. So, you know, if you like, uh, if you like that kind of content, you're, uh, you're in for a treat. <laughs> <laughs> um, and if you hate that kind of content, then go tune into last week's episode right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it's going to be a good one. Um... But we'll start this week with the games that we've been playing this week. The first game that we're going to talk about this week is Libertalia, The Winds of Gale Crest. And this is a game by Stonemaier Games. Um, I'm going to take us through how this one works. Uh, so Libertalia is basically a card piratey, is a pirate game where we're all playing uh, these crews of pirates. And we go on a, three different voyages, and those voyages last a certain amount of days each day is essentially a card that we play from our hand but where this game how this game works is that we are given four uh, an identical deck of 40 cards those cards have individual like uh people that would a shipment that would come on your journey and we all start with the same identical cards we start with six of them of these 40 cards we choose six random numbers um and each of those characters then 
we can play in whatever order we choose. So on the first voyage, we're going to play four of them. Um, and depending on, you know, the initiative order, so, you know, the higher the card, the better, but generally the lower cards have more, you know, powerful kind of, you know, abilities. We're going to resolve those abilities. Then we're going to take treasure from the island, and then we're going to resolve any nighttime abilities that happen on the ship. Then we're going to play another card from our hand and rinse and repeat through the game, taking treasure tokens, trying to come up with little interesting combos. Now, you may be asking yourself, well, you have the same cards. That doesn't sound that very interesting. But the thing is, we can all play them in different um, in different orders, <laughs> which in turn starts to create these little interesting you know, combos of these how these cards all interact with each other. At the end of the first voyage, we all then will bank any treasure that we have, and then we'll draw six more cards from this deck of 40 that's from what's remaining. And now we have eight cards in our hand, and we have to play five of them. We'll rinse and repeat, we'll do that all again, and then we'll draw six more cards, and then we'll have nine, and we have to play uh, six of them. What, How this game really starts to shine, Matt, I want to talk to you about this one, is because... What ends up happening is you think, well, we all have the same cards, but the cards that you get left over from the previous voyages really start to make this game shine. Because what ends up happening is you can come up with a combo that other people then go, oh, I want to steal that combo. Um, but yeah, I really like Libertalia. It's a, it's a light game, but I want to know what you guys think about this. Yeah, I look, I, I admit it, when we started playing it, that was my, my first thought was, we've all got the same six cards, and... We randomly picked them as well, as you said, and it felt like looking at my cards, I was like, I don't know how to make a combo out of my own deck, let alone how these will actually interact with each other in a positive way for me, in a negative way for you. Yeah. And the very first round, it very much felt like, I mean, when you played the one game, we probably should have played it again. Um, but that very first round, and I think George probably would agree with me on this one, it was very much... Well, let's just see what happens if I do this, right? And mm -hmm. because we were both brand new to it, <clears throat> the, there's 40 cards in the deck. We drew six of them randomly. I'm like, oh, are these good? Are these bad? I don't, I don't know. So I ended up feeling at the end of the game, I said, this game would benefit from a couple more players when you actually learnt the full deck and mm. you knew what was remaining. I had an idea as to kind of what was left in the deck that might come out in the next round that might help you if you if you kept a, kept a um, card back in your hand. Um, I enjoyed the play and like it, we picked it up very very quickly. It's really really clear on the on the board, you know what goes where, what that actually means when it went like the actual flow of the the time of the game, like daytime, evening time, then nighttime procedures, and then the iconography matching to your cards was really really easy to understand. Um, but I just I think for that first play. Unlike a lot of other games where we've played where that first play is so important and it really, it sells the game, right? I don't yeah. know if I would rush back to play it other than so I could get a bit more of an understanding of the rest of the deck. But I wouldn't, like I'm not excited to jump back into it. It wasn't one that I was like, yeah, yeah, we've got to do that again, we've got to do that again, right? Um, so I enjoyed it, but I, yeah, maybe I wouldn't rate it as high as as other games we've played in our, in our gateway games. It's a, it, it occupies this very interesting space, I think. Blake, you've played it as well. You didn't play with us last night. We um, we You had shift work, unfortunately, so you couldn't join us. But you've played it as well. Um, and like, do you, What do you think? I mean, it, it, it's, a very, it's a very hard game to describe. Like, I've told you kind of the rules now, but 
why those rules are fun doesn't really make itself known, I think, through mm. unless you play it. Yeah, I, I th- and I think I'm in the same um, boat as Matt here a little bit, where I think most of my... When I dive deeper into most of my gripes with the with the game or things that I didn't quite wrap my head around or like on a first play, I think would alleviate with multiple plays. Mm. Things like Matt was saying, like knowing what cards possibly could come ahead that creates, you know, more these more the combos and thinking ahead, you know, I'm gonna save this card whereas everyone else is using it now because I know I may get a card. You know, you can gamble like that and mm. you know, maybe get a more powerful combo later. Um I will say the more I played the round and again we played with Ralph one round on the night that I played. Um but the more further we went into the grand into the game, the more it sort of revealed itself. Mm. Um, you you know started to understand the asymmetry. What started out as symmetry in the first round because you all had the same six cards started to become more asymmetrical as the game went on and people were making different decisions, keeping different cards and then coming up with different combos later. Mm. Um, yeah, I think that definitely would shine further on multiple playthroughs. Um, Do you it, think that's to its detriment though that the game the game gets better? As you play, just in a single game, right? Yeah. It doesn't open up going, okay, cool, what I'm doing has an immediate bearing. Like, it, it took, it, it was, it's a steam engine, really. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's one of those things, right? You want your game to be better the more you play it, right? To encourage people to keep on playing. Yeah. But you also want to draw them in straight away. Mm. And I think I'm, you summed it up perfectly. I think I'm in that same, but it's not a game that drew me in straight away on that first play. Um, I would be happy to play it again, but same. Um, it's, it's not one, it's not one that I'm rushing yeah. to go back and play. See, it's interesting though, because you guys also mentioned the fact of like, you do actually want to go back and try it with these different combos. Now, there are some things that I I think I need to mention. One of the reasons why, actually, why I think I bought it, which is one, that we played it at three, but the game plays just the same at six as it does at three. It played in like I imagine 40. at six, it'd be a lot more exciting, right? Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's can... a lot. The, my first game was at six, right? So I got the full six-player experience when it when I didn't own it, right? And someone else owned it. And I'm like, got to get that game. And it played at the same amount of time, played in 45 minutes, right? Done, dusted, easy, right? A lot more tokens, a lot of fun stuff going on in the map. Um, and I think that... This game, I think, shines a lot more at a higher player count than mm. it does lower. I think the, the, the fact- reputation mm. didn't open up, right? Mm. I, I was like, oh, there were cards in that we played with that had, you know, move it yourself up the reputation range. Yeah. I was like, why? Yeah, what, I didn't what, feel what, like that. I, I don't think I really played with that at all. I played, no. used it in any way, in any meaningful way. And maybe way. that's because it's only th- we played with three. Maybe it's six yeah. players and it's a competition to be either at the top or at the bottom because there were cards that send you to the bottom where you get more coins, obviously. So but- if you imagine we had one of these moments, right, in a six-player game, and the, I absolutely agree with you, right? The reputation track in, a, in anything less than six-player, you still use all six tokens, right? It's just there to kind of start your income for the round versus your, you know, your breaking ties. Now, the Brute is a card that we played with, and it basically has a, a thing that basically says, discard the card that's the furthest on the right. Now, when this card came out in our six-player game, you can imagine that we're all sitting there going, when do I play this card? Yeah. Mm. And we had three of us play the card at the same time in <laughs> the six players, right? And But the thing was, there was two cards higher than 
the other one and one below us. So it was like the one below us did their one first and then the brute killed the one on the right. Then the next brute killed the next one on the right. Then the final brute killed himself because he was the first, right? Yeah. And so you can see why at that moment when all they went down, the reputation track really mattered because if you were too far up the reputation track, that brute then killed himself, right? Mm. And I agree with you that... I know I'm also, we've always done it that I've said, hey, Matt, pick a random number. Blake, pick a random number. And we pick numbers and then, hey, here's our cards. Now, I do wonder if there would be recommended card sets where they go, you want high player interact card player interaction? Pick these six. Do you want big money combos? Pick these mm-hmm. six. And that is not present in the rule book. Now, the rule book is just eight pages of A5. So it's really easy to get into, really easy to play. Um, but I agree with you guys. It it is a really... I, I like this game. And I even, like I, how it, if, it's, if, it is very simple, but you are right, which is that at first play, you're just like, well, I'm just playing cards. Why is this fun? And then it's not until Voyage 3 that it really kicks and you're like, oh, oh, I get it now. Yeah. And then you're like, we need to go again. Because then the first round of the Voyage is... Like, George ended up winning our game. Primarily because in Voyage 2, he was the only one who scored major points because mm-hmm. we had a few real, like take the saber, kill the person sort of thing, treasure tokens. And he won based off of that fact. Hmm. And going back into this, you'd be like, okay, you know, I think if you were to get straight back into it, you'd realize how important Voyage 1 can be to give yourself a, a good head start, you know, yeah, stuff like that. I don't know. I, I think I th- if, if the reputation track changed... You said if there were different settings, right? There was a six-player version, and even if points were slightly different for five, four, and three players, so that it was more a competition, and you only had to play with the three players in reputation, because that was the other thing. There's six reputation players, but only three actual, hmm. so hmm. three reputation, six markers, but three players. So, was I in competition with the others? I don't know, and and it just yeah, that that whole bit was a real soft spot for me. I, now that you've said you had in the six player where you had three brutes, I understand why the positioning is a lot more important yeah. than in three players. But it didn't feel worth it to be the top because you didn't get much money and it didn't, you couldn't really get to the bottom because we weren't playing anyone else. You yeah, know? Like, no one else was pushing once you're at the top. No yeah. one was really pushing past you to get to the top. Yeah. And that's fair. And that, look, I, I think that's fair as well. I think this is a game that really shines at higher play accounts. I enjoyed it i think i had more fun at five and six more so than i've had with three it has a place in my collection for the moment yeah um if it maintains to be that way by the end of 2023 we will find out i said the the so i spoke to the family about um well what we're doing next week really um at family dinner the other night and my sister and sister-in-law both mentioned libertalia as a game that they enjoyed playing last time they played it so and i hadn't i was like what the hell is that that's yeah that just just handily came up last night, so it has a following, and and people who aren't as board game geeky as we are enjoy it. I will say, from a tactility standpoint, the little treasure tokens, fantastic. They're the Azul style of like mm. heavy, you know, heavy acrylic sort of thing. And yeah. You just they're just so much fun to pick up and play with. They're just heavy and stuff. It's great. And yeah. I mean, you know, it does. I guess it does sound like we may be a bit critical of the game here, but. I mean, I really did enjoy the game. It, it had its moments, you know. There's a few things like uh, I don't think it was. I think I got a little bit confused in the game between different types of discards. 
Yeah. And, you know, when things were in a graveyard compared to a discard. Yeah, when and they're in your ship and when they're in your hand. Yeah, there were little the things like that, which, again, would be alleviate on further plays and further understanding of the game. Um, but this same game did create some really, really fun moments. I mean, I remember when, uh, I believe it was Ralph, swapped a couple of tokens around to um, benefit himself, which then immediately I swapped them back just to... <laughs> Not to benefit myself, but just to screw him over. <laughs> so, I mean, there are a couple of moments like that where, hmm. you know, the game definitely lights up and it, it is fun to play. Um, is it? Yeah, I think you're right. It's not a poor game. Yeah. It just didn't grasp me in that first play as much as other games do, I suppose. Yeah, and I, I mean, the the look of it's fantastic. Like it's, Stonemaier it's, productions tend to be yeah. pretty dang good. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I would also say is that the cards themselves, like you're only playing with six in your hand or eight or whatever we end up with, but when you play to your table, you end up taking a lot of table space with those cards. I think there might be a design change that that game could go with where even just having the iconography in the top corner so you could stack your cards in, all right, well, these are useless until the night time or these are all daytime cards, so I don't need, like, I had them all splayed out. Mm. So I'd imagine at six players, the game gets big, but it's not a big game. Like, it yeah. just felt... Has table presence. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But unnecessarily so, I think. Mm. Yeah. But anyway... Look, look, I think a consensus is we all enjoy it. Probably better at higher player counts, but it is one of those games that is the reason why it didn't make our list for next week, which we'll go into later, uh, is uh, it probably is not... That first teach, it doesn't cook you. New yeah. players, it doesn't... Unless you like board games, this would not hook most people. Yeah, mm. I mean, at the 45 to an hour mark, you know, I'm, I'm thinking... You, someone asked me what I want to play, I'm thinking Cora. You know, I'm thinking... Yeah, these other games that just hooked me a lot quicker and a lot more succinctly than, than mm. something like Libertalia. Um, it, like something like our next game, I think. Like The Search for Planet X, which is going to be our second game mm-hmm. for the week that we played. Um, and this game is... We've talked about it before as a game that we've played, but I don't think we've actually broken down the game. I, I don't think. Maybe we have. I'd have to get Probably back. not. I, oh, I, like, I, maybe briefly. Maybe briefly, but we've talked about it. Um, the Search for Planet X. Matt, I'm going to let you explain what this one is about, um, and we'll see we'll see how you go with your description skills. My d- <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Uh, the game comes in a lovely square-shaped box. We're off, we're off to a great start here. None of that hexagonal shit. <laughs> it fits perfectly into a uh, standard-sized Calyx cube. <laughs> I reckon that most board game manufacturers are in cahoots with Ikea, because like, the Calyx is far too perfect, and it's in every board gamer's collection. Either that or someone at Ikea is a major board gamer. Yeah, already. possibly. <laughs> someone made oh. a cube that's perfect. This is the, this is the worst. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I think game designers are now just going, we have to just put an extra two centimetres on this box because we can't have our game be the little game in the in the cube. <laughs> I think, yeah, sometimes it's like, God, I wish that game was like a better box or it fit nicely. Now I have to rearrange my whole damn collection to fit this one awkwardly sized, like, thin boy. And it's like, ah. Oh. The width, actually, no, it's not the height, it's the width that's the worst thing. I would, like, when they're not as wide as each other, yeah. that's the worst thing. I would much rather them be Nicely. all the same width. So, I mean, on, on my shelf at home, my collection, be as small as it be, maybe at the moment, is just taking up one little square in my shelf, but it just doesn't fit. Atmosphere is front on and Cryptid <sighs> is side on, I... and they don't fit neatly mm. together by a about two mil. Like, oh, it's it's no. ridiculous. That hurts. Uh, you can't squeeze them. No, nothing. Yeah, Every, everyone funny. listening can feel that. Like, <laughs> Look, as much as I love Twilight Imperium, the fact that the box 
can't fit into the calyx kills me, right? Like, I have, like, granted, like, I put it on top of my calyx to display it, right? Yeah. So it's there to so it's a, you can see it on the top, right? So on the top of my thing, so it's like my display game. But at one point, I had it, like, put in, like, laid down, try to put it in the cube, I'm sitting there going, nah, no, nah. nah, like, I can't do it, it's going to go on top, and it would just kills me. There's so probably the industry of calyx edition games. <laughs> Just reprints, but they just, just changed the box. Yeah, they could be like a, bo- a board How game. How many board games would be like, yes, sell everything and just go get all those Galax <laughs> editions? Yeah, yeah, I think that could be good. Or, or like, just the box. Just sell the box, right? I already have yeah. the game, so just sell me the box. Mate, what is, it should become a new standard of measurement. So this, this is a 1-3-K-A. And so it's one-third. So you have three, oh, a third. You can stack three of them next to each other perfectly and they'd fit in the Calyx, right? You know, this is a... I, yeah. think, I think we're too nerdy about board games. <laughs> you, you say that, but people listening to this podcast are like, that's so brilliant. That's right. you know, that's, I, I think we've just given away a million like, dollar if idea. You, if you know that this was a 1KA measurement, right? What's like, what's 1KA TM. 1KA TM. Put it in there. <laughs> Patent pending. Patent pending. <laughs> but if you knew this game was a, one, a 1KA measurement, right? But this one was half a KA, right? Oh, it's yeah. like... I can fit two. I've got to get that game just to put it next to it. Sure. Uh, I've got a half and I've got four eighths. Let's go. Let's do this. <laughs> we, we are all good. Oh, anyway. But we were talking about, anyway. so, we were talking about Search for Planet X. Yes. So, Search for Planet X. How is, many KAs is it? It's one. How, how, where, yeah, how big is it? Oh. It's a one. It's a it's a one? No, it's actually like it's a, a whole fi- one. No, no, actually, no. It's like a, it's like okay. a five eighths. Yeah. It's like an imperial. <laughs> it's imperial. It's five eighths. It's like a five eighths. Five eighths KATM? Yeah. <laughs> We oh, always God. have the trademark. <laughs> Got to protect it. Got to protect that oh, intellectual God. property. Oh God! So what are we playing? Planet X. Search for Planet X. God, I've gotten off the beaten path there twice. Um, so it is a hunt game where we are on the hunt for Search for Planet X. Planet X, obviously. Um, it has a companion app with it as well. So the game is a. How will I play? Let's. We had we had um, sexy like- Uno. This will be sexy Cluedo. Mm. This is Cluedo on steroids. I'm here are your it. here are your clues for where the thing is. You have to obviously resolve via those clues and what you can then decipher using the turns as you play the game with a certain actions to get more clues. But also, and this is there's a, a, an element here of playing against everyone else. Everyone's in the same hunt, so it's first person to get to Planet X or, or find it, and it's. Um, adjacent um, items in space Um, but there is a bit of a race going on behind it which I noted last night when we played it every time I've played this game it's always in the same turn that everyone's like yeah Yeah. I've got to have a stab now right this is the stab you just sort of know I don't know how you just know when everyone else is I I think as well every time we've played this so as you mentioned it's a logic dungeon deduction game so on your turn you literally can only you basically do one of four things you yeah. basically say You're finding a new piece of information you basically find out a new piece of information and how specific that information is means how far along the track you go right so the more specific your information is much like a hubble telescope or the uh, james webb telescope like looking at one part of the sky for a certain amount of time that's going to take you a long time so you have to move further along the track or you can be more generic and not move as far uh, but the game is really cool because you get research as well so that's like there are six rules to the game. So it's like, hey, the gas clouds can't be next to the comets or, you know, the dwarf planet is not directly opposite this asteroid, right? 
those kind of there are six of these rules so but you don't know them yet so you can spend a turn going and finding some research you can spend a turn not to see what's exactly in a sector or you can send a spend a turn basically looking in the in the sky what i really love about it is with you know how this race thing that you guys are talking about how we all kind of finish now i would be interested to see now the game has got two sides got a standard side where there are 12 sectors in space and the expert side which has 18 but on top of that when you start up the app you can say how many clues you start clues like we start in each of these sectors we've only we i think we've only ever played the youth version right there's no not there's like no there's youth which is you get 12 facts beginner which you get eight intermediate with four and expert with zero i would be interested to play this game not playing the beginner variant at least at intermediate where you have to spend more time looking for more information me and me and ralph did play intermediate um against damien and reese yes reese um and because they were beginners me and ralph were quite experienced so we did play intermediate it's a lot more daunting at four clues. I'll tell you what. I was going to say, yeah. like you guys it said, you were, you were still close to getting. Wouldn't give there. you much. No, no, not at all. It gives you four pieces of information but about the whole thing. It was a really good setting because all four of us came really close about the same time yeah. again. So we we picked a really good setting for the game. Yeah. Well, that, that's good then. So, and that what's also important is even though it's a race to find Planet X, the winner of the game is not the person who finds Planet X yeah. because when someone finds it then everyone else gets one of two options, right? You can either have a ping for Planet X as well, and depending on how close you were to the winner depends on how many bonus points you get, Mm -hmm. which is a really cool mechanic because it's like you are five spaces behind the guy who just found Planet X. You can score the same amount, nearly the same amount of points as him because you theoretically have taken less time than him to find this answer. Do you want to have that shot? Or the other thing which Matt kind of mentioned, which is I think this is the coolest part of the game, is there's the theory phase which is that four times around the board, you have to put in theories into the center of the thing. And a theory is essentially a little token that basically says, I think in this sector is a asteroid. Mm -hmm. Or in this sector, I think this is a gas cloud. But they don't reveal immediately. They reveal three turns later, three uh, research sections later, right? And then if you're correct... You're going to get some bonus points at the end of the game. Congratulations, you're a smarty pants. But the other, but the bad thing potentially is that you've now just given free information to the table. Yeah. Like I didn't had no idea what was in sector seven, but Blake said no, the, there was. The a, bad thing is that it's usually about six turns later that it gets revealed, and you know more, and you're like, well, that's I know it's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now I know what it is, and, and then if you're wrong, yeah, you, you lose time. You lose time. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. the bad thing about. It. Yeah, and so, but that theory phase really keeps you engaged. So this is very much one of these kind of multiplayer solitaire games. This is truly a game where you drop your head and you just sit there thinking about your own stuff. However, so there's no like player interaction as such, right? Other than, you know, my place determines how many, like your turn and the different theories and whatnot, and you're using that. But what this game is so entertaining when you get to things like the peer review, right? Where it's like, you then, we always do it because we all have the app open. So we go, okay, well, I peer review Blake. Blake peer reviews Matt and Matt peer reviews me. So he's the one who on his phone gets to actually pull up my piece of information yeah. and go, I'm going to check this piece of information. And more often than not, you hear, do 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 You're like, ah, never. You're going to go, ah, you're an idiot. And then sure enough, it turns around to you and it's the same thing. Like, and you, you know what? I, I mean, we did it and it was funny and we all enjoyed it. That, that sort of theme of, you know, you peer review the person on your left or whatever it is, you know, just so someone else 
it actually fits the theme of being peer reviewed. Yeah. Mm. We didn't do it when I played with Ralph at his place and his group. And I thought it wouldn't make much difference. I thought, you know, we, we were all just peer reviewing our own ones when we put it in. It was a much less entertaining oh, putting your I own imagine, ones in. <laughs> I can imagine. I think part of the reason is it's like you have to trust that the person holding the phone is actually putting, putting in the, the information right as it is on the board, right? Yeah. And sure enough, no one's going to really be like, ooh, like it actually was. <laughs> like I get the information. But it's actually one of those things of like, okay, if that's the case, you know, it like it really... you. The the entertainment value from this one comes is it comes from these micro uh, thing these micro moments with each other. That's that's the interaction. Mm. Yeah. Right? Without it, you wouldn't have much interaction with the other players. I, I love when that those moments at the start of the game start off as you said, as you know, ah, you're an idiot, you got it wrong. Whereas three turns later, and when you're getting closer to the end game, you hear a do 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 and across the board instead of people laughing, they're like. Oh shit! Oh no. yeah! Oh no! I've done something horribly <laughs> what wrong. Do what do you mean? That's not a gas Right at that moment, where in the, I think our second game was one of our games. He got off to a flying start. Right? He was like, he was so. Confident. I had I <laughs> half the board, and I knew. And I'm like, <laughs> fuck, this is so easy. And then all of a sudden, George reveals an asteroid, and it's in a quadrant that I was like, <laughs> had like I was so definite, I'd ripped the paper and said, "There's no asteroid here, right?" And there's, that's where it is. It's confirmed. I'm like. You gotta be. You, you, no, but no. Like, it's just like, I just hung my head. Go. Everything I know is wrong. <laughs> this is horrible. Those moments of watching Matt just go, "What the fuck is that?" <laughs> right? Like, and those are the moments in this game that really make this game because you don't feel like you've. I've never felt dumb in this game, and I've never mm. felt like, even though I may, have, I've lost plenty of this game. Like, granted, I won the two games we played last night, but that. It made me. This is. It made me feel the smartest. I'll get to that in a second. But I've never felt dumb, even when I've lost. Yeah. And I think because, as you said, we've all been close. Yeah. And that moment where you're looking, and then someone explains, "I did this," and you're like, "Oh, of course, I'm yeah. one step away." And it's never like you didn't. You. It's not that you. You were dumb. It's that sometimes in the pressure of making this, you have to. You. You make a yeah. couple of leaps, and you're like, "Oh, that's wrong." Yeah, and I mean, I think. Uh, in playing games like this, this one, Cryptid, these sorts of games, I think over 90% of the games, I've had to scribble out my entire working and start from scratch on this board without a rubber. Yeah. Uh, which, you play with pen, so you know, I, I there's will, no erasing your mistakes. We're not playing with, with uh, pencils in this I will, house. T- I will say again, Ralph did play with pencil and a rubber. Uh, no. Took away from the experience yeah, immediately. Soft. <laughs> soft. <laughs> Pens only. But my my favorite part about these realizations when they come up and you realize your entire work is wrong. At first you think there's the denial stage. No, I'm not wrong. (laughs) I've done everything (laughs) right. My work is foolproof. Until you look for about 20 seconds and you go, oh, I made that assumption. (laughs) Why? Why? Okay, so here's what happened last night. George goes... And does a general survey for asteroids in like, I don't know, 9, 10, 11, right? And the sound from your app just says, is it's it's the sound that tells yes. everyone yeah. you've done yeah. something. Not yes. yay or nay. Yeah. Just, 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 just a sound, right? <laughs> and in my haze, I've written down what he's done and heard the noise and went, oh, success. Well, there's at least an asteroid in those things. <laughs> and just carried on, right? And then four moves later, the asteroid's <laughs> on the other side of the space. I'm like... No, it's here. You, you, your thing told me it was here. And it was like, 
No, no, no. That, that was not a confirmation <laughs> sound. That's just he wasn't targeting. Oh, he was just yo, son of a. Everything has turned to shit in front of me. So, we we had um in in our game with Ralph, we had it was coming around the table and we hit that turn where every we knew from now on everyone's going to be pinging for Planet X. Everyone needs to make their shot yeah. now. And Damien was the first one to come around to make the shot, and he pulls out his app is putting it in and everyone's holding their breaths wildly and he puts it in and then do 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 and you see his head to go into his hands oh no what have i done <laughs> oh no i'm like okay i think i've well if he's already guessing everyone else is going to guess i've got a 50 50 shot i'm just putting it in 50 50 i got it right and then after you hear my ding and correct damien goes oh no <laughs> i was right I just put it into my app wrong. Because you have to guess on yeah, yeah. what Planet X is and either side. Yeah, yeah. He had swapped either side oh, oh, no. and he put them in the wrong place. Oh, no. Yeah, that <laughs> it was sucks. heartbreaking. Yeah, I had one of those moments last night where... So the great thing about... The, what I really love about the game is the, the fact that you can't see the entirety of the night sky. Yeah. You only can see half of the board at any one point. So when you're searching for facts, you can actually only look at the half of the sky mm. that from the last player so if you're in like when it's your turn you're the last player in the thing so you've only got however many sectors in front of you either six or nine um and that is a very interesting mechanic because it's like i really need information about sector three but i can't because the sky is currently from sectors 11 through to sector five and you're like ah no i really need that um but i had this moment last night where when we were playing i had a terrible first i was not doing great in the second game i was like ah i'm just struggling i couldn't get the right amount of information i'm sitting there and i've got i had to take a ping right at the end of the game and so i went i took a shot i want one last piece of research i'm like i just need some information about what's going on here and maybe i'll and it clicked and i took a couple of assumptions based on matt and george both went put a piece of research into an area and i go george offhandedly goes uh, did you just search for that piece of research? And he goes, yeah. And he goes, uh, he goes, um, no, so, sorry. So no, you no, know no, what Matt, I know. Matt surveyed uh, the same piece of, the yeah, same the three sectors that George did, right? And he goes, oh, so you're searching for asteroids in those three sectors? And he goes, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I don't know what to do with that either, right? And he, that offhanded comment, my mind went, right, well, there's one asteroid in those three yeah, sectors yeah, somewhere, yeah. right? Because yeah. I go... Good one, George. I, I go, I don't, think, the game for everybody. I don't think it's two. Oh, no, it was comets or something like that. And yeah. I'm like, okay, there's something in there. And I'm like, it's not. there's one of them. Because yeah. I don't think it's two. Otherwise, he would have been like... And I was like, okay. And that one piece... So that made me have to make two more pieces of assumptions where I'm like, well, that's the case. That's probably the case. And then I could tell that George was getting ready to guess. And I'm like, I got, I got to take a step. Poor, Poor George thought he could only guess if he could see the quadrant of Planet X. Right. Right. And yeah. this is why in our chat I yeah. said so I, he, he, he actually should have won. He should have won the game. And he and it was only three points different. So he would have won the game yeah. had he. And so, yeah. yeah. But it still goes in the stats app as my win. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, so, um, I'm sorry, Damien. I didn't give Damien the win either. You know what <laughs> yeah. I love as well is is when you compare everyone's chicken scroll on the sheets, right? You can see what... <laughs> abbreviations people have used and how they've tried to make sense of the information that not only are they getting but they're taking notes of everyone else which ultimately is both very useful and completely dumb right yeah. like there are moments where i've, re- I've I checked your list and i was like oh, i don't know what the hell you're doing I've, yeah. I've, I've taken notes of what you've asked but i don't know there was only one point where i was like you'd made a theory guess 
after like the second move, like it's all asteroids. I mean, that must be an asteroid because you've gone. Well, that's an asteroid. Like you, you, you don't know, know anything else. So, other than that, it had no bearing on me at all. But well, yeah. it's still fun to that- go. Yeah, maybe you did this. Like, there's a minuscule amount of information you could garner from it. But that's the thing in the in in the um expert mode as well. You can put up to two pieces of theory down every theory mm. turn. So if you're wrong, the uh, the punishment is you lose one turn. And that doesn't sound like, not one turn, one time, one sector. That doesn't sound like a lot, but it can be a lot, especially if you get multiple wrong. Like I lost two sectors because two of my theories were both wrong on the same turn. I'm like, yeah. oh, are you kidding me? So I'm like, okay, I had to move them along. But it, this game, it just is pure. Like you can't blame anyone but yourself. Yeah. And then when you—that's <laughs> yeah. very true. There's no one stopping there's you no up one, yourself. There's no one stopping else up but yourself. Like my my one of my pieces of what I do now is like whenever I'm like there's a difference. Like I've got crosses, but I've got scribbles. Like the scribbles is like this one came from the app at the beginning of the thing, so I can forget this for the rest of the game. And I'm going to scribble it out. Yeah. But crosses. Maybe I could have got crosses wrong. So I that's smart. Get... Everything just gets scribbled out. And then that leads me to redrawing them all back in when I realize I've made a mistake. Oh, yeah. oh but yeah, I look, I it every I've played it again, and I actually uh, look. I've been flip flopping on my deduction games. I still think this is actually my favorite one. Break the code is a lot easier to get out because it plays in twenty minutes. You can get break the code out, put it in front of people, and go. We're just gonna do five number yeah. guessing. But from a pure deduction logic, like the moment I made this guess for that second game for the win, I felt like the smartest man alive. Because yeah. I was like, I had to make the like the logical leaps going, well, this yeah, is the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Da-da-da-da-da-da. That means <laughs> this smartest one. Smartest man alive. But like, that's what you, you know, when you beat Blake, Turn his mic what, off. What, what about the game when you played of it and you beat Blake? How did you feel? Right? Yeah, but literally, I took a stab. Like, I, I, I saw him gearing up and I'm like, I, this might work, yeah, yeah. But I didn't think it was going to work. <laughs> like I didn't go in with a much of a hope. Yeah, and when yeah. it paid off, I'm like, oh, oh, that's that's nice. <laughs> I am the smartest man alive. <laughs> I didn't feel smart. I just felt lucky. And, L- Sorry, you go, Blake. I think this game, like, despite you know, like I've said, it's not my favorite deduction game. I prefer Cryptid, very similar, but um, I just prefer the player interaction. You know, like you said, the theories can come into play or you know and what you're writing down what other people are doing doesn't really i don't find that has much bearing Mm -hmm. but the way this game presents itself and like we're talking about the other week theme and how it interacts with the board game this game's theme is phenomenal the the night sky you can only set for certain pieces you know your actions are actual time along the route your pieces of telescopes like it's very well balanced it is one of the most amazing things from a presentation standpoint is that you actually don't put this game uh like perpendicular with your table Mm. you offset it so because everyone is given a different sheet of paper so you've got one of the four sides summer autumn winter and spring and the reason why you get a different side is because I need to hand you the specific sheet of paper that matches the side you're sitting on because they've made it so that the sheet, the the, the sky on your deduction paper matches th- how you would be looking at the game board. Yep. So sector six, for me, where I'm sitting is probably at the 12 o'clock position. So on my sheet it is at this it assumes you're hey you've got the autumn board you're sitting on the autumn side therefore six is at the 12 o'clock yep. position mm. and it's such a little touch but it is so perfect because yeah. it's like 
I can just look at my thing and look at the board and go, I don't even need to necessarily remember six. Oh, six is over there, but over here, it's like I go top, top. Yep, I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Dunk, 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 and away we go. Such a good thing. It's the kind of touch that I don't think you even register. Right? Mm, you no. would certainly register if it wasn't there. But because it is, like when we played <clears throat> and I gave out the wrong sheets, you know, no, no, you get this. I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. And I didn't even think about it the whole, whole, the whole night. Well, you accidentally gave myself and yourself the right one, but then you gave George the wrong one. Ah, right. And then I was like, it made sense to me, but then George was like, what? And I go, oh, yeah. oh give you, you take the right one. He goes, oh, that may, it all looks the same. So, yeah. Yeah, look, I love this game. Uh, really Last night, the it. second game, when we got given our eight clues... I made a mistake with just my clues. Like we hadn't even started <laughs> technically playing the game, and I'm already stuffing up my sheet. I'm like, "Oh, you gotta be! Come on, Matt, just read the instructions." If we want one thing, is that Matt needs to just take a breath. I just need to slow down. Slow down. I, I just... always mix up asteroids and, and comets. comets yeah. I, I don't know why. I just always. I find that with when you play with the eight clues, though, like you'll get. A string of clues that'll say sector four, sector five, sector six. So naturally you go, well, the next one must be in sector seven. <laughs> sector 11, what the hell? No, the seven comes after six. What? Yep. Oh, that's right. I don't get a clue for every quadrant. <laughs> yeah, you got to do that. Anyway, that was uh, Search for Planet X. So now we're going to go uh, from there. We're going to go into our gateway game of the week, which this week is a... Uh, a, a, a quite a fantastic, I think, a little tight package called a Baron Park. Um, it is designed in 2017, um, uh, designed by Blake, who is not by Blake. Blake, can you tell me who the designer is? Seems you got the phone over. Really? Well, I designed a game. Wow! And he doesn't even have a copy of it. Uh, Phil Walker Harding. Phil Walker Harding. There you go. And it's currently ranked in about the mid 300s on uh, Board Game Geek. But this game is. One of those games which I have seen around for the past five years. I remember seeing when Shut Up and Sit Down did a review of it at the time. And I kind of look, I kind of overlooked this game. I was like, ah, meh. The theme, Bear Park, Tetromino's, meh. I didn't really like it. But then I happened to play a game with Tristan, who is one of our Discord members. He said, hey, look, I'm starting up a game via Board Game Arena and I want you to come play. And I went, yeah, sure, we'll do it via correspondence, whatever. And literally, I was three moves into this game, and I went, no, crap, why did I overlook this game? Because I think this, and this game immediately made it to my my um, pool for my top 10 game gateway games. Wow. Um, I added it straight in. I'm like, yeah. So, Baron Park is basically a, a game where we are creating our best zoo of only bears. Polar bears, uh, you know, sand bears, you know, there's other bears, I'm sure, koala bears. Drop bears. Bear. Drop, drop bears, you know, all the stuff. Um, the... And the way that it works is that you're given a four by four grid and you have to basically place, uh, you know, different uh, tetromino pieces on the park and you're trying to cover up little icons. The, you know, there are uh, men with wheelbarrows, the dump truck, um, you know, not not a rear behind, you know, someone, an actual (laughs) dump truck, you know. Well, maybe there's bare asses. Maybe, maybe there's a truck. maybe uh, there's a crane. Uh, there is a workman, and depending on what you cover up with your initial pieces, depends on what pieces you can take from the central board. Um, the wheelbarrow is small pieces. The dump truck allows you to take uh, you know some four four different pe- up to four different of uh, these pieces that are worth victory points, and then the uh, cranes, which there are only three of them that you get per game. Um, you 
they give you these one-off special um, tetrominoes, which if you're the first one to get to, you can you can you know, you get big points for it and, and a lot of coverage. The game ends quite simply when you're the first person to cover up all four of your four by four grids, um, and then everyone else gets one more turn, and the person with the most player points wins. There are some objective cards. Three objectives come out randomly as well. Those things may be like, hey, be the first person to have three panda tiles, which are all the grey ones, or be the first person to have three, uh, you know, uh, jungle bears, or I don't know, drop bears. You know, have three Bundaberg, you know, rum bears, you know, sitting the Coca Cola bear. I don't know. Yogi like, bears. Yeah, have like have six of these, um, like you know, the, the park tiles in a clump, or like in. Hey, boo boo. Like <laughs> have five Yogi bears. You, we should name them all like that. That's the Coca Cola bear. That's the Bundaberg bear. That's Yogi bear. That's the dump truck. That's the dump truck. <laughs> you know, so on and so forth. And that's the game. Basically, it's a very lovely gateway game. I want to pass this to you guys. What do you think of the game? Now, granted, we played on Board Game Arena, so I'll put this out there. So we didn't actually play with the physical pieces. But what did you think of the actual We also game? played on our phones. Yes, so that too. we played at probably one-tenth the scale of the actual <laughs> game. <laughs> Matt's first thing was, I don't have my old man glasses for this. No. What are we doing? But what did you think of the actual game, though, from a, um, from a gameplay uh, perspective? Um, I mean, I don't know. I'm maybe it's the phone, mm. maybe the small scale. Um, did we didn't play with objectives, did we? No, we just played the very beginner. I version think that of this. may, you know, may up it for me a little bit having some extra objectives to go. But I don't know. I sort of found like I was just sort of placing pieces, just trying to make my it's own very board. I, isn't it? It's a very simple sort of game. Yeah, it isn't. I don't know if I found it that engaging, to be honest. I don't know if that's just a highly critical review, but I... I think the medium doesn't help. Playing, Definitely. Playing on our phones and I think having it, to scroll up and down to, you know... Just to be able to see other people's boards and what they're doing. Even to see if it was your turn or not. Yeah. <laughs> that was... I mean, I half the fun of Tetromino pizzas, right, is picking them up and, you know, f- holding them physically over your book. Oh, no, that doesn't work. Oh, you know, trying to... Hmm. So, I mean, look, I, I think the medium definitely didn't help, but on that... Only one play, admittedly, I didn't grab me. I'd, look, I'd love to know how it plays in real life as well. Like, the, the app takes a lot of the guesswork. It's not only where you can place, but what you've covered up. So then what you need to pick mm. next, right? So it gives you, it, it very much takes you by the hand in the app, which most BGA stuff does, I suppose. But I, I'm with you in that. I mean, I don't think I'm a big fan of Tetromino stuff in the first place. Mm. It's it seems to be that you're always playing your own little game. There's the interaction is when pieces get taken that you were, you were banking on, which, you know, can create a bit of frustration, but I've yet to find a Tetromino game where there wasn't another way around, right? Where someone else, you know, stuffing you up really stuffs your own game up. This game was the same. It was like, okay, you took that piece, I'll figure it out. You know, yeah. there, there's enough other pieces to go around, even all the way to the end. And my last, you know, my last placement stuffed me up on the points because I just wasn't paying attention. Um, but even then, I was only one one piece behind completing my entire four four quadrants behind you. So, yeah. we you know, I, I see the value in it. And I'd probably imagine it'd probably be a really good gateway game as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, tonight I was like, meh, I'd take it or leave it. Yeah, I also think as well, we did miss quite a lot of the stuff, which is we were playing on our phones because we wanted to play the game to actually to make sure that you guys got an idea of it. Mm. Um, 
And that didn't help because we were kind of quiet, all focusing on our own thing. I couldn't look up and see what you were doing. I'd have mm. to look at it on my phone. Yeah. However, I will say, and I, I will reiterate, this is now one of my top 10, I think, gateway games to introduce to people. If I can get my hands on a copy, I think I will. Because you've kind of said the, the points which aren't necessarily engaging for you guys as gamers, but I think make it a perfect gateway game. Definitely. Which is, yeah. it's low confrontation. It gives you a lot of options to kind of work on, well, I'm it, I, if Matt takes the piece that I really wanted, now I have to kind of figure it out. Okay, that's another thing. The other thing is as well, it's the rules explanation took less than five minutes. Yeah. It was literally take piece, put it on the board, cover icon, take a specific piece. Yeah. That's the like that's literally the game in a nutshell. Cover it and then it's like, okay, go ahead and find. I do think this game in person will have a couple of different things. Uh it'll have the presence of like I think the artwork of the bears will become a little bit more cuter in person. I yeah. think you kind of lose a little bit of that in um yeah on on the screen but i also do think i will say the reason why i didn't buy it again is that i still don't really like the theme i know people are like oh it's a bear park and blah 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 it's kind of cute but i'm like yeah but it's the same reason with isle of cats like i liked the game but the theme of isle of cats did not pull me in when i saw it and the same thing with bears like i would much rather arc nova where it's like hey i'm making a zoo of all animals yeah rather than one specific animal and it's kind of like mm. you know what i did notice is that the artwork i mean as you know we didn't get to you know zoom in on it on the phones but when we'd finished the, the parks they felt like they looked very haphazard yeah the colors don't flow very well the pieces are obviously individual tiles they're not meant to you know a path connects through to the next tile kind of thing like just something like that would make it a bit more cohesive to look at yeah you know All like right. the polar bear thing is blue next to a jungle piece that's green and you've you know, got like a river gray a river leading to a toilet and yeah that's right i mean i th- the I game there's only so much you can do with a tetromino but it for sure and i mean i think the game that i'm starting to compare it to in my head which i really liked was king domino Mm. Um, you know, that game, when you're putting it together, you're obviously trying to score as many, you know, mm. farms or, you know, rivers in one place. So naturally, most of the time, you those pieces, barring some, you know, bad piece of drafting, are going to go together. It sort of starts to look cohesive, like an actual castle. Mm. What it would look like outside the castle. That's sort of... I don't know. It puts but it in each of your tiles in that, <clears throat> in their you know very bright primary colours, they're still like most of the most of your 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 square tile on that is just that colour. Yeah. Right. So from afar, it would probably suffer from the, what I'm just saying about this. But I don't. I didn't feel when we played King Domino that because you are meant to be connecting the colours, you are trying to make that cohesion happen it ultimately feels like you've done that, right? It feels yep. like, yeah, okay, that is where all of the river is and that's where all of my forest is yeah. as best you can. Whereas and this one was, yeah, but I need I need the squiggly piece here. Yeah. So yeah, even if yeah. it doesn't look right, I've, I've got to put it there. I will admit, it is, you are right. Like once I've put a piece down, I instantly forget about it. I yeah. don't need it anymore. Yeah. Or I just need it there so that I can connect the next piece. And my, my mind goes, okay, 
I need to cover these icons, so therefore I need to get this piece to cover those ones. I put that there. Sweet, I've now covered those icons. I need these next pieces, and I've already forgotten yeah. about the piece I just put down because it has no bearing on the rest of the game at that point. And, I mean, I don't know what kind of extra objectives can come out, like the, the full range of them, but, mm. I mean, even if you had something simple like have three connecting water tiles or, you so know... So we, we had the three that we played in with the game that we played, which was... You need to have six grass tiles, which are the ones that you get for the wheelbarrow. You need to have six of them all connecting. Oh, so, so we did play with. No, we, we didn't. We didn't play with objectives, oh. but this was in the one that I played with before I showed you guys. Mm. So it actually gave you a reason that you may want to go for the smaller pieces because you're the first one to put six of them together in a clump. Yep. You get nine points, right? Yeah. There was one where it's the first person to play three panda tiles. So it gave you a reason. Do you want to rush and get? you know, less points for, because the thing about the dump truck tiles is that the first ones to take it are worth more than the preceding ones. The first mm. one's worth like six points and it's worth five. If you take the next one, then worth four. So the question is, do you want to take multiple of these quickly to be able to get that objective? And then the other one that we had was um, play uh, like four, uh, be the first one to play for like all four of the dump truck icon so you have to play all four of them in your board somewhere so do you want to specialize in the panda do you want to go all of the ones across do you want to go for the green ones yeah you can get a lot of them quickly that objective which we didn't play with does add that little bit of extra spice where you're like okay now rather than just looking for the next one that maybe helps like you've got some kind of uh you know yeah vision of where you want to go and what you're going to try and, and i do think that creates a little bit more player interaction mm-hmm. you know where, with king domino you're sort of drafting against other people as well um, which creates that interaction, whereas these would, you know, oh, I can see Matt's probably going for this. Maybe I won't. Maybe I need to pull out for that from that one. Maybe I just need to concentrate on doing And I will say as well, else. by comparing this to Isle of Cats, which is the last Tetromino one I played, I, in in uh, Baron Park's favour, I felt like I could complete my park. I felt like yeah. I could cover every square I needed yeah. to. Whereas Isle of Cats, I was like, huh? I'm going to get half of this ship maybe covered, mm. which is when... We, we played it and Georgie almost filled her entire ship. I was like, how? We've both had the same amount of turns. How have you got so many more cats than I do? Yeah, and that's that's the other thing. I mean, uh, the the way that the game limits to, you know, the, the, four, the four pieces only, and you're all sort of drafting similar pieces, you all have the same amount of icons on each board, you're all going to end up finishing around the same time. I mean, mm. Nee was one turn ahead of us. But we both were finishing ours on the next turn anyway. Yeah. It just, yeah, I don't know. It, it just didn't feel like there was any, uh, like, it, 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 there wasn't too much variation in what you were deciding there to do. There was no attention there, was it? Y- yeah. Um, this game feels to me like a Sunday afternoon with Nan and Grandad. Yeah. Like, it's a game mm. that I would take to play with my grandparents where we can just whip, whip out the game, mm. play a bit of something, have a tea and some biscuits, which is what a lot of people say. And I think, you know, that's the, the but like that's to me what this game is. Yeah. It, it it feels this niche of like this is why I think it's a great gateway game is because it shows people that a game can be very laid back. It is a very, very laid back game. It's yeah. just like, hey, pick a tile, put it down, you play with the Tetromino pieces, and then a winner at the end of the game. And and then the objectives give you a little bit to focus on when you're like, oh but then if you really want to get good at it, you can actually focus down and go, right, I really should be doing XYZ, I should be doing this. And I think 
that's why I think it's a really great gateway game. I do think as every Tetromino game loses a bit of something in BGA, you do need like yeah. this, especially these sorts of games where it's like I pick it up, I rotate it, I flip it, I look at it, and I can visualize the board. Yeah, that is missing in the digital, the digital, and code. especially on you know a mobile phone where. I think that one of the biggest draws of this kind of game is going to be the the visuals, right? You know, being able to see. I didn't. I didn't know until the end of the game that every piece was a bear tile. You know, I thought <laughs> we were actually just making a zoo, and they just named it Baron Park. You know, then we just some kind there, of there were some German bear. names. Yeah, and until you pointed out that every tile was a different type of bear, I thought, oh well, I didn't even notice that on the on the small phone. So mm. you, you, we lost a lot in the medium, I think. Um, Look, like I said, it definitely is one of my top 10 gateway games. Um, we'll see how it gets ranked. Um, yeah, but uh, look, we won't, we'll, we'll keep going. I think, look, this one gets a must be played in person, but don't, I, like, I, this is not, this is a very light game. It's oh, yeah. very yeah. light. But we've been talking a little bit about this. So that was Baron Park. We're going to continue on now. We've been talking a little bit about what is coming up next week. And so I just want to give a little plug now, if I may, which is next week, which is episode 20, which is our first major milestone that we ever set for ourselves. We're going to be releasing in during that podcast the Board Game Gateway's Top 10 Gateway Games. Now, what we've done is we have put a... We have each picked 15 games that we believe are the best gateway games. For ourselves, for different reasons. We've said these are the 15 we think, and we have all sent them to my wife, my lovely Georgie. Um, and she has then taken those games to create a pool of games. Um, she told us that there was 37. We have then used uh, the Pub Meeple ranking engine, which we've all used for our top 10 games, to then rank these games against each other to give them a ranking value. And uh, essentially from there, she then takes all four of our ranking values and then we'll figure out whoever has the lowest value is is our number one game as a group. We don't actually know what it's going to be until she reveals them on the podcast. That is all episode 20 is going to be. She is already holding it over my head that if I'm annoying <laughs> to her this week, she's going to be super annoying with the fact that she knows the fact what these uh, top <laughs> 10 games is. Literally, we... You've given her too much power. We sent, well, the thing was, it was interesting. We sent her the list last night. We all finalized and we all sent her our top 10s last night. And she literally, at 11.30 at night, whips out her laptop after you said Matt was the final one to send it. She's like, okay, I've got all the information now. And she literally opened up her spreadsheet and put all of it in and worked it out. And I'm like, are you doing that now? And she's like, got to know. I got to know. And I went, but I'm not allowed to know. And you're doing it right next to me. It was like the ultimate form of like, tell me, don't tell me, but tell me, don't tell me. Damn it. Like, I really want to know. But so episode 20 um, next, next week is going to be only this top 10 none of us will know so she's actually going to be on the podcast um this is our second ever guest um and we're really excited to have her on on the podcast actually she's going to be uh the uh, the agent of chaos she, <laughs> she has told me that she, she's told me that she wants to get actual envelopes and put the games in there and so then you actually has to like actually open up the envelopes not just like on a sheet of paper or something like that so nice so well, this is going to be a tradition that we're going to do every year at the end of the year um and we're going to come up with a new pool and it'll be our I yeah. wonder if our, our list will change. It'll be interesting to compare list to yeah. list. I think new games come out as we learn more. Tastes change. Yeah. Tastes change, or if we like from experiences of teaching games mm. as well. Maybe you, yeah. maybe a game you thought was a good game. And so we're very excited for that next week. So I just wanted to give a shout out to that if you're listening. Get ready for that. And um, speaking of speaking of Georgie and stuff, though, I want to say that she 
is she's one of those sleeper people when we play games that she goes she takes a, she's like a match she takes a while to process those games but when she clicks she's a fucking viper that's, oh, what, that's what she I, is I, I she's quiet she's quiet and then all of a sudden she's, bang i'm dead she's what? a tom she's yeah. a tom and a blake when we're playing twilight imperium they sit in the back just being all <laughs> quiet and then figuring out this monster 45 minute move that ends up just dicking over the rest of us and gets them the win and I say to George, I go, the biggest compliment I can ever give to you as a player is that I actually have to play my best. Because mm, yeah. if I don't play my best, you will just win. Yeah. And it, like, yes, I'm playing my best and I win the game now. But if I don't, you will just win. And I don't want you to feel like you've fake won. Like you've, I'm yeah. just giving you a win. Like I don't, I don't like doing that to people. Like there are times with little kids where I'm like, yes, I'll give you the win. And then there's times nah. when my daughter, there's times when my daughter gets a bit big for her britches, and I'm like, all right, time for a lesson. It's my time now. Just straight trounce on them. <laughs> Uh, and I think I think that comes from you know, having being one of four boys, right? You know, nothing ever came easy for the win, right? Never the wins <laughs> never came easy. I think it was just I do remember the first time, yeah, we were ever playing Monopoly and stuff like that. Like as a young kid, I really did like that game, but I realize now I loved the experiences that it gave us. Like for sure. my uncle Jim, uh, he very much introduced Monopoly. We were playing Monopoly one. I, I still got this memory from when I was bloody maybe five or six years old, maybe in like year one or two. And he was like, tonight on Chances, right? Chances was the card you pick in Monopoly, but it was this game show. It's like, what? <laughs> Come on down, Johnny, tonight on Chances, right? He picked up the card and then it was like, oh, I thought it was the funniest thing in the world. And I don't know, I just... Um, Love it. Uh, I don't. I, think, I can't remember what community chest was. Not as good as ch- tonight. On <laughs> obviously didn't leave as much of a mark. No, yeah. it didn't. But like I don't know. Like I, I think back on this and I go, I know back in those days as well. I, could, I remember when parents would, yeah. You know, when you, you reach a certain age and your parents let you win, and you're like, no, yeah. Do your best. I want to beat you. Yeah. And I feel like with me in board games, I feel like that's how I am at the moment. Whereas like. I, I'm at a point where, especially a lot of my friends, where we, are, like, us as a group, like, no one holds back because yeah. you want to earn the win. Yeah. It's not about me beating you. It's about me earning the win, right? I mean, like, I, I you know, bested you tonight. I still remember when I first beat my dad at my at chess. Yeah. The first game I beat my I dad. I remember that too. I yeah. was so happy with myself, ecstatic, over the moon, till the next day when he told me that he let me win. And that he let me win because he wants me to understand, like, you know, war tactics or what you have to do to, to get a win. Mm. And I just looked at him and I was devastated. Yeah. I was... How dare you take that away from me? I, I'd lost... It lost all meaning. <laughs> just, That's me, hard. It's me with Tom. Tom, our, my, your Matt's brother, but he is a much higher rated pers- uh, chess player than me. I rarely win, but I have beaten him legitimately. Yeah. And those moments when I've beaten him and I've gone... Oh my god, the strategy worked, and it just everything clicked. I'm like, got it, yes, <laughs> right. I got the win. And same with you, Blake. Right when we started playing, like you had a massive win streak, and then I finally started fixing. And yeah. I finally got a couple of things. I'm like, oh my god. I don't uh, know what it is about your style that I struggle against, but it's the same thing. I have to play my best <laughs> to beat you if I don't concentrate 100. percent Which you know, when we're late at night, you know, 10 p.m. <laughs> yeah, 10 and we, and chess. we're the last two on Discord. We go, do you want to play a couple of games of chess before bed? Yeah, let's go. You know. You're sort of in that relaxed it's a mode. World all over again, where you're like, "Why are we doing this?" Five, five turns in, and I'm bolt upright again <laughs> at the screen, looking at it, staring. It's a five minute game, but I'm spending a minute on a move, just going, "Oh my god, what am I gonna do?" It's oh. a serious Coming back to die. letting kids win, we mentioned a couple of weeks ago 
that I've been playing Carcassonne with the kids. Mm. I did mention that Anna went for a big castle that she failed on, and 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 we let her fail. But I forget, I didn't mention in that podcast. I took the last piece, and <laughs> it would have finished her castle, <laughs> and I chose not to give it to her. Like. She needs to learn. I, I finished the game by taking her win away from her. She's only eight years old, but that, like, I mean, it was it's going to be a core memory for her. I can feel it because she sunk into herself, right? And I didn't feel good. I must have been. It wasn't a proud dad moment. But at the same time, I was like, no, I told you six moves ago, five moves ago, finish four moves ago, castle. you need to finish that because it's going to run out. <laughs> no, no, I'm going to go for a big one. Okay. She didn't listen to me, and I, I was and very tempted to price. give it to her. Like I was very tempted just to, hey, here you go. But I thought, no, there's, there's a moment that needs to be learned here, and you're going to learn it the hard way. <laughs> well, I think this is the, but this is also the part of games as well, right? Which is that Evie, my daughter as well, is now starting to learn, like, like ha-ha, I win, right? Like those kind <laughs> yeah. of moments where I'm like, okay, first of all, Check yourself before you put <laughs> yourself in, right? Yeah. Second of all, all right, like you know, I don't also want to spoil the win by saying I let you win, but yeah. I have to teach you how to be graceful in in you know victory yeah, yeah. and you know defeat and whatnot. Um, and I, like I find that with the kids as well. And when we're playing at the moment, it's like I do think we actually have a really good group. Everyone doesn't really take things personally, especially mm-hmm. we play games like Diplomacy and Twilight Imperium. Yes, they sting, but we also big enough to laugh at ourselves and realize that yes it is it hey it's just a game yeah right and in some games especially with kids as well like you know yeah taking the last tile was not a great thing but it was the best move for you to do to win the game which is you gave her the options mm. and she decided not to follow that advice so therefore this is the repercussions of doing so and in so like yeah like she was upset that she lost the game but that was her choice. Yeah. It was her choice not to do it. And games really provide us this really interesting medium to give these kind of scenarios to kids where it's like, you know, the greed variant of rolling dice or, you know, you're playing Carcassonne and you want to keep this castle going. But there's, like, nothing stopping you from, like, you can do that, but you're mm. making that choice. And, it, you know, yeah, she has, she has un- a core memory now, and now next time maybe she will finish that castle yeah. and bank the points. Yeah. And unlike so many other aspects of life, especially when for teaching moments like this, the element of luck in the drawer of your cards is something the kids can't control, and so therefore the choices that they make are so much more important, right? Mm. They aren't just blasé choices. And it means, you know, like Robbie's a great sportsman. He usually beats Anna in most physical contests. That's a given because he just is that type of kid. So the games have taught him, okay, you don't get to win that often, right? And it's not because Anna's actually a great board game. It's just that's the the luck of the draw, right? And he, in himself, I've noticed he's changed his attitude to winning other aspects of his life now if he doesn't win it used to be a that was the end of day every day right didn't win the race didn't win whatever it was he just shut down now he's like all right let's go again i'm gonna try again he won a game up in queensland and you could see that moment of okay cool that's my first win but i'm coming back to try that again right and so i actually bought the big box version of carcassonne for for christmas for him as a big family gift um, and I think it's going to be one of those ones that at least for the next 12 months, we're going to play all the variations and just get them really thinking about 
the different strategies and the different choices that you can make. Not only, as you said, not just in games, but it's actually a life lesson all mm-hmm. over, right? How to play with other people, how to communicate with other people, how to not be a sore loser and not be a sore winner, which is I actually hate more than the sore yeah. loser, to be perfectly yeah. honest. <laughs> I think as well, thinking about that as well, it's like you're right, it is very much a life lesson of how you approach like listening to robbie's approach of going i lost but i want to play again and try again i want to try something different that's something that a lot of people can't do in their real Mm. life like Mm. you but also granted in a lot of real life situations we're maybe not given the option to maybe have have a redo yeah whereas games give us that option especially and that's allowing robbie to have that idea of like okay it's okay that i lost let me go again and let me try something different. Mm. Or maybe, for example, with Anna, like you can say you're teaching her these moments of, you know, you can't be too greedy. Mm. You've got to, you know, bank it in, mate. Like yeah. you, you've got you've got something good going on, maybe bank See, it in. I don't even know if in Anna's case she was trying to be greedy. I honestly think that it was more a lesson of, oh, no, I have to pay attention to how many turns I've got left yeah. and make the strategic decision not just keep going and going and going, right? Like, there is an end point. Mm. And I don't think she was fully aware that she was running out of moves, right? Mm. When I say there's four goes left, there's still 20 tiles on the board. For yeah. a kid, that looks like a lot of choice. Yeah. Right? But it's, no, you, you've got four of them. That's that's <laughs> You're only going to get four of them, so yeah. there's not much chance. So we're also teaching, you know, chance and risk mm. and opportunity as well. So... I mean, not just for the kids' sake. It's you know, board games in general teach adults a lot as well. Coming back to what you said about the group, we you're right. We have an awesome group of people who play who don't. It doesn't carry over. Nothing mm. carries into the next game. The the if it does, it's it's faux. It's not real anger, right? It's yeah. this bullshit revenge story. Except for when Nick wrongs me. <laughs> then a forever war is a forever war yeah. at that point. And actually, the the war between Georgie and Ralph seems to be. We're brewing under the surface <laughs> as well at the moment. Look, I, the I, scorpion. Yeah. <laughs> I, I find that as well with our group. If you think about like the games, like of like, I think it also comes down to as well. We as a group are really understanding of the fact that you need to do the best move for you. There's mm. nothing personal here. It's just I think the best move at the moment is to do blank, right? Which is, you know, in a and that can be a bit of a bit of a really a hard pill to swallow for some people. Like, we played in our last game of Twilight Imperium. Ralph, his very first move of the game, one of the first objectives was control six planets outside of your home system, right? Ralph, unfortunately, had a sector that was missing one of these planet tiles next to him, right? So he had to go and be in someone else's sector to score things. His very first move of the game, move two or move three, was literally go and steal, take the planets from Abood, right? Which was next to Abood's home system. Abood hadn't even had a go yet, yeah. right? This was his first game of Twilight. He did that. But in my diary cam footage, I said that was arguably the best move. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. the thing he should have done. He should have gone there, taken the planets, and then forced Abood to take them back, and then, you know, he's sitting pretty, right? Yeah. However, the flip side of the coin is Abood's first game. Granted, he plays a lot of Civ and you know, Stellaris and all this kind of stuff online, so he understands the idea of Civ games. However, he is still a new player. So that kind of set the tone for the rest of the game where everyone went, right, Ralph's playing for keeps. We need to stop him from winning this game. <laughs> and at the end of the game, three of basically the nukes of the eight players went on to Ralph in like one turn, one or two turns, right? So... 
Do you think that we do that though? Like our team, our uh, the dynamic of our friendship circle is mostly. Well, I'm going to feel this out. All right, now we're going to hit you hard. Whereas Ralph's kind of teaching us, and, I, and he's teaching me. First move, doesn't matter what game it is, you go hard. You you, you yeah. play to win. I, I think that may have also come down to as a group, we were all learning the games together. Whereas Ralph has played, yeah. especially with yeah. Ti, he's played a lot more games than us yeah. in that game. So he True. knows you got to go from turn one. You make the best decision and you go for it. But that is also a really, and this is one of the reasons, Ralph, if you're listening to this, I really enjoy having you as part of our group because you've bring you've as like we were all kind of close with each other from being family for years, for being close friends in cl- close groups, and then we happened to meet Ralph randomly through board gaming, and he brought this really unique perspective of how he approaches mm. games, how he thinks about it, the way we talk about it, which is one of the reasons why I wanted a podcast with him, because it was so different, and we've, we have our taste since I've met him in 12 months ago, nine months ago, my tastes have molded, and I've started to understand more and go, oh... Oh, 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 yeah, like, yeah. oh, no, we need to... Yeah, and that's, I think, one of these reasons why, as a group, I only think, um, you yeah, know, I really love the fact that we have all four of us here as consistently as we have. All four of us have been in a pot... Like, I've done all 20 of them, granted, it's hosting at my house, but you guys have been in a minimum of 13 or 14 podcasts each, yeah. which is phenomenal right i know i'm kind of trailing off from like you know where we with our group but into our podcast group but this is something i just kind of i feel with our group as well like the amount of board games that we have actually played and seeing as how we're all starting to realize what our tastes are Hmm. from two years ago we played 61 games in 2020 yeah in total i did i played 61 games this year we've already surpassed 159 yeah Right in just two years, we've nearly tripled the amount of games I've played in one year, which yeah. is nearly one game every three days. Yeah, right. I'm like, that's so many games, but yeah. I'm actually more in love with board gaming than I ever was. Definitely, and I think you know the when you start to play these games more often, it's when you really start to understand them. Mm. You know, you like you said, a lot of it is um, like feeling out the feeling out the game and you know you're sort of timid in the first couple of moves because you're learning and then you know you finish the game you finish strong and you think right okay i'm gonna do that so and so next time straight from the start mm. and then it's three months until three four five six months before you play another get that game to the table again because you know whatever reason you can't play you know you get busy playing other games trying other things six months later you sit in front of the same game Oh, shit, I've got to relearn this again. And it starts all over again. I think again. this year is the first year we've really, instead of going, let's play a new game every week, this year we had a Terraforming Mars where we did Terraforming Mars once every week for like four weeks. Yeah. And then we did Dead Reckoning when that arrived and we did that once a week for about mm. six weeks. Yeah. And all of a sudden you realize after those repeat plays, everything's like, oh God, I want to play it again. Because you're like, now I understand more. Mm. Oh, Matt did the boson straight. Oh, I need to try the boat. And we actually started going, you know what? Everyone, granted, everyone liked the game, but everyone wanted to play more. Yeah. And I think as a podcast, I think that is really helping imbue that love with not only us, but our close relatives around us because we're finding these new loves and something as simple as Matt, you deciding to take Carcassonne, which is a game that's been sitting on my shelf, but you've passed and never really played. But then we decided to play it as a gateway game of the week, and you just, you've now going to buy the big box for your kids. Mm. I mean, how amazing is that? No, the whole experience of, I mean, the, the casts, but I mean, over the last, I don't know how many years we've been playing this, one of the things I did want to chat about tonight was 
our history, but I think we're going to run out of time tonight, so we'll leave that for another night. But this, I think we'll leave that for the Christmas for the end of the season. Yeah. I reckon, for I think our, yeah. our our review show, our Christmas mm. show. I reckon. But I, I'm the the thing I really love about our little group here in the podcast is we are we're approaching it with the same passion, but we are coming at it from very different perspectives. Yeah. Like Ralph's definitely our resident professional player. I'd almost put it over. He he, the knowledge of not just game techniques, but all of the games that he he knows. It's astounding that he just keeps coming up with new games to play. I'm like, oh, I've never heard of this thing. I've never heard of it. Where are you getting this stuff from? Yeah. Right? And it's 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 read and writes. It's individual player stuff. It's huge big box stuff. He's got it all. We've got Neba, who's a massive collector, who's been going and with the family for for years. And I think Neba, you're probably the more general all rounder for I'm, us. I'm the stat keeper. You are the stat keeper. <laughs> I'm the stat keeper. People gave me crap. Six years ago, when I started just going, what are you doing? I'm taking stats of all my board games. And now, six years later, everyone just goes, I can sit in bed. And George is like, you've played Twilight Imperium for how many hours? <laughs> so we, also, the answer to that question is 52 hours. Dear over, God. No, it's, uh, sorry, 48 hours over five games so far. But then, but like, this has also allowed you to open up your love to, to other people, but finally get to play the big box games that you've been collecting and wanting to play mm. and haven't been able to really get to the table with just the family. Yeah. And then there's big combo, big points over here. <laughs> <laughs> Enough said about that. Bloody hell. You know, the tactician, if ever I've met one, there's a look that you get in your eyes. I like that. Well, the game's over for me. Blake's on a winner here. He's figured something out. And I think my slot's now actually become the family guy. I think I've actually taken the role of... The the kid entertainer, <laughs> like and the dad. Yeah, that's even, right. Even though I'm a dad as well, and um, yeah, that's. But you are like a lot of your gaming experience happens to be with the kids, with the kids, yeah, and because they're at that age, and I'm actually really excited to get to that point with my kids. I well. can't wait till till Evie's right there. Actually, Teddy's gonna be an absolute. He's gonna be a jerk. Uh, <laughs> he's gonna be the worst of. He's like, gonna be a, a table flipper, I reckon. <laughs> Not in my house. <laughs> oh. All right. Love. Well, like with that, with that, I think uh, we should start winding this one up. Though. Yeah, it's this been is, fun. It's been a very interesting one. Um, bit I, of a casual one. Yeah, but I actually, I think these casual ones, and we're going to be doing a bit more of these ones. I think in the future. I think, um, you know, I really enjoy. I hope you enjoyed it listening to it. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I know I did. Yeah, definitely. Always. Yeah. Always enjoyable. So, uh, if you enjoyed what you were listening to, guys, please go to our website, www.boardgamegateway.com. There you'll find all the latest episodes, some articles that we've written, some videos. Uh, Ralph's been doing a crap ton of unboxings lately, mm. which has been good. Yeah, I've decided like, I'm not doing them anymore. Like, but... I can't compete with that quality. <laughs> like, he's uh, he's got a whole setup. Or... That's right. Like... Well, I've got, I'm going to start doing a couple as well. I've got a couple of ideas for how I'm going to do it. But I also do want to start, I'm going to try and next year, I'm going to do my first actual proper review um, of a game. I don't know which one yet, but I am going to start doing that. Um, and so there's a whole bunch of extra stuff there. We'd also love to see you in our Facebook group and our Discord specifically. We're trying to start using our Discord a lot more. Um, one of the things that we have upcoming soon is that we're actually going to be running our first Board Game Arena um, community competition. Mm-hmm. We're actually going to run a patchwork competition, which will be played not in real time. will be played over the course of a couple of weeks and two. So if you want to sign up, go to our Discord. The links will be there. Um, you can find all these links on our website. So go to that website. Once again, www.boardgamegateway.com. But 
uh, that's about it from us tonight. Uh, yeah. We hope to. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you come back for the next one. Next week's episode is going to be massive. I'm so keen to to do this. I'm excited. I'm very excited. I am very keen. So come back for episode twenty if that's if that's the next episode. I we can stream it live next week as well. I reckon. Oh God! <laughs> now I'm going to have to think about that. All right. Well, take we'll, live phone calls. Yeah, that's uh, right. Phone ins. Our first dedications. <laughs> um, We'll we'll have a think about that. But anyway, until that point, on behalf of myself, Matt and Blake, thank you very much. We'll see you guys next time. Cheerio. Thank you guys. Bye. Toodaloo. (laughs) And another one. (laughs) He's on fire. He's two from two. Toodaloo. Toodaloo. Where do you get that from? Oh. Oh.